0: Hey, podcast listeners, this is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today we have an amazing guest on the show who I actually started listening to his podcast uh, probably about a year, a year and a half ago, and it was actually one of the podcasts that inspired me to start my own health podcast, believe it or not, and uh, the guest's name is Martin Pitella. Martin grew up behind the Iron Curtain in Czechoslovakia. He studied business administration and computer science at the Institute of Economics in Prague in the 1970s. He came to Canada as a refugee and worked in sawmills and warehouses for a few years. After a short career as a clinical hypnotherapist, Martin moved to the computer industry and worked as a trainer and a sales professional. In later years, he worked as a manager, a management consultant, and information technology consultant. Martin is happily married to the mother of two adult daughters. Soon after, he received A dozen mercury amagulum amagulum fillings as part of his introduction to modern Western medicine, Martin's health started a sharp decline. Martin's documented mercury poisoning was behind his multitude of problems that neither the medical professionals nor the alternative practitioners he worked with identified as a possible source of his problems. In his quest for health, Martin explored dozens of mainstream and alternative modalities with only temporary success. Only after he decided to apply the strategic thinking skills he learned in his management consulting practice to his medical problems, he was able to turn the tide and begin reversing his health problems. In the process of discovery, he has learned most of what a naturopathic doctor will learn at school, anatomy and physiology, hormonal function, nutrition, detoxification, exercise, and emotional therapies. Martin continues his study to this day in order to improve his ability to advise the customers of Life Enthusiast and his capacity as a personal coach and a metabolic typing advisor, which we will definitely talk about today. Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing today?
1: Doing good. It's my pleasure.
0: Thanks for inviting me. Really glad to have you here. I, I wanted to start the podcast the way I start all of my podcasts. And and kind of ask you about your story, and I, and I introduced your story a bit, so our listeners are kind of familiar, but uh, when you got your mercury fillings initially and started having health problems and, and that initial kind of health decline, what was the spark that kind of ignited your, your uh, passion and desire to research alternative health, or just health in general further? What kind of pulled you in that direction?
1: You know, the spark was utter desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was a perfectly strong, healthy, good 25-year-old, and I was a quite a sick 26-year-old. And uh, by the time I hit my 30th year, I was getting periodontal problems. My teeth were wiggling and loose. My gums were receding. By the time I was 33, I was getting allergies. I was putting on weight. I had incredible back problems. Like I couldn't—I uh, don't know—several times a year, I would have an episode where, for two, three, four weeks, I was unable to uh, stand straight. I couldn't sleep in the normal bed. You know, I'd have to lay down on my rocking chair, face down, kind of thing. So it was—it was pretty dramatic. Hmm. Like I—I I thought that my uh, life was heading straight for. I was going to end up living in a wheelchair, crippled and uh, miserable. And by the time I was about 36, so like 10 years from the day I received those beautiful mercury fillings, I I had allergies so bad I wanted to scratch my eyes out. It was just awful. And at about that point, I had... uh, I've already tried to deal with the back by going to the chiropractic care and I tried to deal with the ongoing pain by going to the mainstream doctors, orthopedic surgeons and the likes. And uh, by the time that was coming about, I was already into the strange and crazy alternative therapies where I was like, I'll try anything. But it wasn't working. It wasn't helping. And none of these people, none of these trained and well-meaning people was looking at the cause of anything. You know, I showed up in a chiropractor's office. He says, well, you're out of adjustment. Let's adjust it. I'd show up in a naturopath's office and i say, my eyes are running. He says, well, you're allergic. Let's deal with the allergy. Nobody was looking at the what's causing it. And so at at some point, it just dawned on me: this is crazy. I'm going to have to use my own talents. I mean, I studied at school to be a systems analyst, so it was that: let's analyze this. moment. That's where the turnaround started. But it was in sheer desperation.
0: Mm. And, and the progressive decline, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It kind of propelled you to dig deeper and deeper and 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 analyze that. <laughs> At a more extreme level, and of course, says. when you yeah, when you say
1: analyze this in 1986, that's there's no internet. You know, you you go into the library and you get books and you start doing the research the old old school way.
0: Right. So, so
1: that's what I did.
0: What, what did you? What initially did you kind of discover that that piqued your interest? Was it nutrition or detoxification or, or what exactly?
1: I I won't remember the exact order of things, but it it led to the understanding of what holistic means. Mm -hmm. Holistic or strategic or looking at things in the big picture means that you start looking at things not at the level of presentation, but at the level of causation. So like when your neck is hurting, that's in the neck. But what caused the functional decline in the neck? Or if you're sneezing, well, that's your nose running. But what caused the tissue to get weak? And so you need to start digging deeper. That's where you get to the... I I, I put them into four categories. Toxicity, which is presence of stuff that is in your body and shouldn't be there. Malnutrition, that's absence of stuff that you should be eating and are not getting. Stagnation where your body is essentially rotting alive, primarily from lack of circulation, lack of movement, not enough exercise. And finally, a vibrational disturbance and distortion, which is the subtle stuff, the invisible things. And that could be either electromagnetic, where you are under the influence of... These days, it's the cell, cell phone towers and Wi-Fi routers and... Uh, then wire, hands-free telephones and all the other things. And then, of course, in the olden days, it would have been overhead power lines, underground water streams. That, so that's all the electromagnetic and also the, the stuff that's running your mind, the vibrational, emotional, subconscious stuff, whatever, whatever, um, I don't know, I guess the tools I should name kind of tools that you would use to fix the subtle programming in your head would be Mm -hmm. something like EFT, neuro-linguistic programming, healing codes, uh, hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming. I didn't name that. Those are the kind of tools that you can use to reach into your subconscious and reconfigure it. Mm
0: -hmm. So within your own personal journey, I'm just thinking, you know... A dozen mercury fillings—that's that, that, a lot. You know, that's a lot of that's mercury poisoning. Uh, and we know now that most people do at least that. It's not a smart idea to put mercury into your body and just have it sit there in your teeth. So, initially, what did you do in order to align your body to remove that mercury poisoning and to to kind of balance out again and and, and gain your health back?
1: Well, it was. Uh... <laughs> I did it by groping. (laughs) There's a wonderful parable of six blind men trying to describe an elephant. There's a guy standing at the front and feeling his way through it, and he says, I think it's a lot like a fire hose. And the guy standing at the side of the head, touching the ear, says, I think it's more like a sheep, you know, like maybe a large sheep of some sort, maybe a big fan and one standing by the side says "Oh no, I think it's more like a wall and one standing at the back says oh, I think it's more like a piece of rope really and then the one at the front side says oh, I think I'm hugging a tree here and that's a lot how my life was I was trying stuff so I fell for instance upon um, natural hygiene which is a Naturopathic method of eating, uh, later popularized as, as Fit for Life by Harvey and Marilyn Diamond. So there I was. Okay, let's let's do Fit for Life. So I went uh, started eating raw, and largely vegetarian, and uh, and that improved things. And then I started taking algae. Uh, I uh, think it was '86. I was introduced to blue-green algae from Klamath Falls in Oregon. And that that really worked. So ginger, gingerly forward, small steps, finding, oh, look, this works. Mm-hmm. So food combining was one of the tools. Then I discovered uh, that the uh, fermented foods, natural probiotics, were able to heal all of this stuff. Uh, and I did a ton of emotional clearing, healing, discovering what works there. Then I discovered homeopathy, so I started using homeopathics. I don't know. <laughs> Some of the stories were pretty crazy. Uh, or maybe it's worth sharing. Like, for instance, uh, I found one company that was able to create custom homeopathics. So uh, that would be Whatever your body needs the most, they were able to program it into a homeopathic tincture and hand it back to you. So I said, well, get me detox because I need to detoxify. So as soon as I started to take that, it was releasing the heavy metal toxins from wherever they were hidden, sequestered. Like your body typically just pushes the toxins off first into the fatty tissue and then into cartilage and bones. So as soon as I started taking this stuff, all of a sudden it's like stirring the mud. The heavy metals are back in circulation. I started feeling really lightheaded, sort of sense of unreality, like walking around as if I was under some kind of a glass dome, like a weird sense of perception. Then then I started having problems with my own uh, neurology. Like, for instance, I would be standing at the urinal, uh, urinating, and uh, I was quite sure I was finished, and I would, uh, you know, just do what you do when you're finished, put put the pants back on, zip up, oh, look, it was still running. Hmm.
0: That's not fun.
1: No, not fun. So y- you see that sort of stuff in very old people who will become incontinent. Well, I was about 35 at that point, so <laughs> it was it was interesting. And how do you explain to your colleagues at work that your business suit is all wet on the front?
0: Spilled my coffee. <laughs> 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 Got to go in another direction with that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Anyway, it was it was pretty pretty weird. Interesting.
0: So, really, your your kind of journey back to uh, to health and alignment was really uh, it was definitely a journey. I mean, every did each step in this process: your diet, the detoxification, the algae and Things like this did you see improvements along the way, or was it kind of uh, very oh yeah, what was it year by year or what exactly
1: well it's it's a step by step, yeah, some years into it the you know a lot of liver cleansing, I found all kinds of ways to cleanse the liver, so after some years, the allergies just went away. they stopped, I cleansed enough, so I no longer was so uh, suffering every springtime i um at some point, uh, my back stopped going out every three days. So I was able to function. So it was a gradual change because I changed my lifestyle. and um, But I continued to research. I think it was about 2001, I decided to start at the online business, Life Enthusiast. So at that point, I uh, I already knew quite a bit. And I was finding better and better solution, solutions. Because, uh, you know, the web browser was invent- invented in 1996, I believe. Was it? Yeah, I think it was 96. The first web browser, I think it was called Netscape or something like that. So um, all of a sudden we started having access to all kinds of libraries online. So finding things started to be quite easy or much easier. So the knowledge or gaining the knowledge was getting faster and faster. So by the time about 2001, 2002 came around, I started to put together what I'm telling you now. Looking back at it, it seems easy. I mean, today, if I knew then what I know now, I would have been fixed in a year. But it took me maybe 12, 15 years to to do all of the steps that I did take.
0: Interesting. And, and for you, I mean, specifically, it seems like the heavy metal toxicity was definitely probably one of the biggest causes of, of the health issues uh, relating to several, you know, obviously maybe uh, the back pain was mercury within the, the ligaments or tissues or bones or whatever it may be. Um, so for you, what was there something that you kind of prioritized that was more effective at detoxifying heavy metals than, uh, than, than the other methods? Because I know that's something a lot of people deal with in, in their health, and obviously heavy metal toxicity affecting uh, hormonal regulation and things like this. So can you, can you talk a bit about that and, and what you would recommend people do for heavy metal yeah. toxicity?
1: Well, looking back at it from what I know now, uh, zeolites is phenomenally effective and non-interventive method, clinoptilolite specifically. All you need is to take it orally. You just put it either in water or take it in capsules, and uh, there it is. It binds the heavy metals and excretes it. I remember when I first started on zeolite, must be about seven or eight years ago now, the they smells and the colors of the urine coming out of me. were just spectacular. Like all the fabric softeners and all the volatile organic compounds that I've absorbed and that stuck with were coming out of me. And the colors too, reds, purples, greens.
0: Sounds like the rainbow.
1: Oh, pretty close. It was like it was a different color every day or every time I went. That lasted maybe a week or so before the main load of all of this was gone. Huh. But I continue, right? Like, you stay on it. When you, when you get on the zeolite, you need to do maybe three, four months of intense, and then you can taper back. But I'm, I'm taking it to this day at a low dose because it actually is so good, it absorbs all heavy metals. So whether it's coming to us or on, the, uh, on the rain, you know, coal burning releases merc- mercury into the air. So uh, anybody living in the Northern Hemisphere... You have China burning coal that's that's raining on uh, the west coast of North America and the uh, and the um, northeast of America that they're burning their own coal to get sick from that so <laughs> mm-hmm. there's plenty of it coming down so there's there's no need to stop and, and then the second thing that it takes care of is the mercury and fish because uh, the fish that eat smaller fish concentrates the heavy metals. It, it just concentrates concentrates at the um, food chain at the top of the food chain. So large fish like tuna have the highest concentration of it. So these days I feel confident. I eat the tuna and take my zeolite every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And and zeolite is a clay, correct?
1: It's a volcanic material. There are okay. multiple types of it, some some cleaner than others. It's used in indes- industrial toxic cleanups. Some of it is safe for humans. The, uh, the clean, cl- clean-up dilalate is, is a specific variety of it that, that we use. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, yeah. I want to say mercury... I, I think I heard this. I want to say it was mercury. I want to say car exhaust actually... Burns mercury into the air as well. Have you heard that before?
1: No, no, I have not.
0: I want to say that it was either mercury or some other type of heavy metal, but I mean, cars are everywhere. So. Well, in the in the older days, it was lead because we
1: used to have leaded leaded gasoline. Ah, okay. Um, here's an interesting sidebar. Um, there, there's um, there's a concept called LD lethal dose. So LD50 means that half of the people who take that dose will be dead. All right? So here, here's an interesting thing. If you take the lethal dose that kills one in a hundred of mercury and combine it with the lethal dose that kills one in a hundred of lead, the kill rate is 100. Really? Yeah. You don't go one and one equals two. We go one and one infinity.
0: Wow. So those so, two together are very, very... You don't right. want that.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Bad news. And So that's, that's the problem where the modern science, you know, the, the modern medicine, they like to study things in isolation. So they will study mercury or they will study lead, but they don't put those stuff together. Yeah. And then they say, "Oh yeah, lead, lead's okay up to this level," and then I say, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm, mercury's okay up to this level." Right. But they don't go back and check. Well, what happens when the two of them combine?
0: Right.
1: And that's where all these uh, problems that we see rising in the society, like the rising levels of autism and ADD and uh, That's mainly in boys and fibromyalgia and girls and rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and, gosh, you just keep on naming these different conditions. All these syndromes that the mainstream medical system just doesn't handle well at all. Right. They are rising mainly because uh, the levels of toxins are rising in the industrialized industrialized society. Mm
0: hmm that's really interesting. I think that it's interesting you share that too because I, I agree completely. And just to even think about how, if the, le- if the lethal dose is half or even a third of, of lead and mercury that someone has within their body, how much will that affect their health in in many negative ways? So you know, it's not you may not die if you have half or a third or a quarter of the lethal dose, but if you have that that potent combination of the two lead and mercury you know what can that be doing to your health how can that negatively be impacting you uh so that's very interesting yeah
1: well it's doing dramatic things like mercury for instance uh will well (laughs) there are symptoms of mercury toxicity that will project into almost every process and every tissue in the body you can get migraine headaches you can get recession. You can get periodontal problems. You can have weakening of the discs, which then will give you uh, either uh, back pains or sciatica pains or it could give you joint pains like carpal tunnel syndrome or plantar fasciitis or I don't know what other uh, body ailments, aches, pains, fibromyalgia, if it's in soft tissue. But other expressions, for instance, vitiligo, where you have deep pigmentation of, of the skin, like Mike, Michael Jackson was famous for that,
0: hmm.
1: and um, you know he probably wasn't uh, blanching his skin to be more white. He probably was sick of it.
0: Right. Very interesting. Okay, so def- your journey is very, very interesting. I think uh, what led, you know, like you said to pre-internet and then post-internet. Uh, it's it's cool to see how you've grown and evolved and created something amazing to help people. Uh, I want to talk a bit about metabolic typing because that's something you specialize in. Amongst many things, obviously you <laughs> you have a very vast knowledge in holistic and natural health and just health in general. But what is metabolic typing to someone who's never heard of it before?
1: Uh, yeah, metabolic typing is a tool I use. I'm a certified metabolic typing advisor (CMTA). Uh, the method was put together by Dr. Bill Walcott from Washington, United States, and he he learned a lot from Dr. William Donald Kelly, who was essentially the discoverer of that. But there were some other scientists before that, and what they were what they were finding is that um, depending on how you mix foods you either become more alkaline or more acidic. And that's quite commonly out there in in the general uh, public where people are saying, well, you need to eat more alkalizing foods and less acidifying foods because if you become overly acidic, you'll have problems. Well, Dr. Walcott actually figured out the yin and the yang of it, the balance of things your body's supposed to, your blood is definitely protected at that rate, but your lymphatic system should be close to that. And that's slightly alkaline at 7.35 on, on the scale where 7 is neutral. Higher numbers are more alkaline, lower numbers are more acidic. So the metabolic type thing is based on understanding how uh, genetics, or ancestry, relates back to how we function. And it has a lot to do with where we grew up, or better yet, where our ancestors grew up. Because they were they were adapting to the food resources that they had. Like if you could visualize say a child is born somewhere in Switzerland in the winter all they're going to have is rye bread, aged cheese and sauerkrauts. That's going to be the food staple. So if that person is genetically appropriate or adapted to eating that sort of food and thrive on it, he'll survive. If he isn't, he'll probably be weak by springtime and uh, succumb to some illness and most likely not make it to reproduction. So within a few generations, you have pre-selected people that are living on that particular food resource to be well adapted to it. So if you're, say, living on a on the shores of Ireland, you have access to lots of um, lots of fish because you're fishing. Shorebirds, eggs, seaweed, lots of seaweed. You're putting seaweed on your garden because it's coming up on the shore. You're growing some vegetables. Those are your food resources. If you're born, uh, say, <laughs> you know, like I'm thinking like the Africans that were taken to America. You know, say you were. You are living somewhere on the coast of Africa. So your original food source were coconuts, tropical fish, tropical birds, eggs, and uh, tropical fruits and veggies. Right? Then you get transplanted uh, to America and you end up in Detroit. And you think that you should be eating fried chicken and corn? Not very good. Anyway, so going back to how this works... So you have some people who are naturally more alkaline and others that are naturally more acidic. But depending on the dominant energy creation system, we're either oxidizers or autonomics. Oxidizers are acidified by starches. Autonomics are alkalized by starches. So depending which you are, you need to eat appropriately or else you have illnesses. And Understood. you will have illnesses of too much alkalinity, like depression and anxiety, or too much acidity, which will be uh, anger, you know, like a, if if you start in the middle, sort of balanced, as you drift into acidity your moods start changing. First you stop being patient. Impatience kicks in. Then your social grace will fall away, then then you get really short tempered and then you just scream rage. So if you've ever run into somebody who reacts in red-faced, screaming, raging fit to an input that like, you know, somebody drops a plate of food on the floor, and the boss just goes red-faced mad, well, the boss is drinking too much coffee and is overly acidic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or so, uh, drink. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So, so does. Uh alkaline basically our bodies will become more alkaline or acidic based on genetics to some degree is that kind of yes truthful? well okay.
1: genetics will tell you genetics will dictate how your body will react to the mixes so there are people who need to eat high starch low fat low protein diet like if for instance your ancestors lived the uh, in some North African desert oasis, they lived on dates, figs, pomegranates, and uh, camel milk. Mm. So their, their food resource was primarily starchy. So they'll be okay on that. So if you're some, something like a slow oxidizer, um, you do need to eat starchy foods, like mac- macrobiotic would be good for you, or, or low fats the Ornish kind of diet mm-hmm. but it could be the complete opposite You might be perfectly well suited to the paleo diet you know, um, red meat no grain lots of fat, lots of protein it's possible to do things as a vegetarian it's just not as easy like for people who require high amounts of uh, purine which is the Protein that's in red meat, they uh, they will easily suffer vitamin B12 deficiency. And so we need to we need to find ways how to supplement all that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's the middle of the road, you know, the thyroid dominant types. They're typically the fishermen. They they need to eat a uh, lot of fish and uh, more the white meat like chicken breast, turkey breast, eggs seaweed they would be you know like for instance the coastal diet of the japanese people That's an example of
0: that okay so out of curiosity if someone like myself for example is irish german lithuanian french i mean the list goes <laughs> on a few other things uh what, how does that affect someone like me how do, is there do i focus yeah, on a diet that's a great
1: question yeah <laughs> We have the metabolic typing test. there are three three levels of it. There's a free version of it available on dr Marcola's website it's It's the baseline it kind of helps you know whether you're protein dominant or carbo dominant, but it doesn't that, that's sort of if you're healthy and have no problems, it's probably good enough. but if you really want to find out, you need to go for the advanced level. That's available through us. Uh, I have it on the website called Remarkable Remarkable Health, remarkablehealth.com forward slash MT for metabolic type. You can find the uh, information about it. There are some free videos and two explanations. So this online quiz, you answer about 90 questions, um, gives us all the data we need to be able to come back to you and tell you Which foods will be good for you, which foods will be detrimental, and what ratios you should be eating. So some people will do the 80-10-10, and 80 of it will be starch. But in somebody like an Eskimo, the 80 will be fat. Mm -hmm. The most common is 40-30-30, something like that, where you would have 40 protein, 30 fat, 30 carb. Or the other way around, something like 50-carb, 30-protein, 20-fat, you know, like that. These ratios will be adjusted based on the results, based on the information that you uh, that you put into the answers.
0: Okay, and these are just questions then? They're not, there's no, like, blood test or anything along no. those lines?
1: In the old days, when they were first learning and doing all the research, they took a lot of blood tests because they would give you a dinner or a lunch, and then an hour later, they would take your blood and check the pH. Later, later they went uh, and did a um, evaluation using a glucometer, like your blood glucose levels will go up and down depending on... The on how your body is like a fast oxidizer <laughs> will burn through a um, glucose rich meal very fast it's gonna, sort of like burning newspaper in a fireplace mm-hmm. as opposed to burning some hardwood
0: okay okay so that that website once again is remarkablehealth.com forward slash mt yeah okay part. definitely going to do that myself and i'd encourage everyone listening to do that as well it's very interesting so so once you figure out your metabolic type and you start to, you you basically for you when you started using the metabolic typing, what what did that do for you? How did that change your diet and and what did you notice?
1: Well, what I what I discovered that I was a sympathetic, and my wife was a parasympathetic, which is really funny. The parasympathetics are the hunters, so they they. Uh, unless they eat red meat, they are just weak and troubled.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so your wife would go out and hunt and you'd stay home and watch TV, basically.
1: <laughs> it's very comical. You know, the two of, two of us going to a restaurant, we never ordered the same thing.
0: Right. Interesting. So did, did you notice anything from because before the before metabolic typing did you did you kind of eat healthy but did you kind of notice the difference in your physiology or or in how you felt after you started kind of following the, your metabolic type more closely as far as like maybe inflammation of the gut or in whatever it may be uh what kind of tangible differences did you did you see
1: yeah absolutely it's it just it's it's like uh getting you a flashlight to start walking in at night or or better yet maybe like giving you a road map to the city that you're going to drive in mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know where things are and what does what it's like oh if I turn left here I'm going to do two blocks I'll be on the freeway kind of thing mm-hmm.
0: and as far as as far as that's concerned it's uh, one, one thing I've been learning about myself is how you know what you eat affects uh, you know, your your gut, your metabolism, your uh, really, your health obviously affects everything, but uh, over time, what difference is as far as, uh, like, if someone were, like, let's say we have two people, we're doing a, a test here. One person kind of blindly eats what they want. They're eating somewhat healthy, but they're not really following their metabolic type, so they aren't really in tune with their body like that. And another mm-hmm. person is following... Metabolic typing. What kind of differences would one see? I mean, would like for food combining okay. weight gain be a result, or, or what exactly?
1: No, actually, it's that the weight issues. Yes, that's there, but weight is primarily tied to uh, uh, to eating according to your um, endocrine dominance. There are four main types: uh, adrenal dominance, thyroid dominance, pituitary dominance, and in women also. Uh, ovary or gonadal dominant. And so depending on whether you're eating with or against your glandular type, you will do better weight-wise. The metabolic typing takes that into account, but in metabolic typing, you would prevent illness. Like if, for instance, you become quite acidic, you will have anger management issues and you will be prone to cancer, that sort of thing. If you're overly alkaline, you'll be prone to diabetes. You'll be prone to depression. You'll be gaining weight, and uh, you know it. It just it's it's not straightforward.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. As far
1: as the weight management goes, I, there's there's no single one answer. But I can certainly give you all kinds of guidance once I understand your unique combination, because you're one of the four, or we should say, one of the nine. Metabolic types, and one of the four glandulars. So the combinations are quite complex.
0: Mm-hmm. So with with the glandular, the the hormones, that that's connected to metabolic typing, or that's something separate that you find out through other forms of testing. No,
1: that same test will also answer it.
0: Oh, okay. And and as far as that is concerned, does that? allow you to kind of balance your hormones better as well understanding if you Mm -hmm. have dominance in certain ways yes it will yeah very cool very cool wow this test is (laughs) very (laughs) fast surprised i haven't i haven't done this myself uh cool so okay so moving on from from metabolic typing so you talked about earlier in the interview how nutrition uh well malnutrition toxicity stagnation and emotional uh kind of trauma are the four Key areas that will affect someone's health. As far as stagnation is concerned, you meant you talked you briefly touched on circulation and exercise. Uh, what what would you recommend someone do if they they know stagnation is an issue? Maybe they have kind of a sedentary lifestyle. Uh, right. they're, they're eating healthy. They're doing better in other areas, but they just have that stagnation. How do you break through that?
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, depending on what's possible, right? If you have somebody old and ill, um, perhaps a vibration machine would be the only thing they can manage. I mean, you can wheel a person in a wheelchair onto a platform that vibrates and get them moving that way. Um, if If you are mobile, getting a mini trampoline is wonderful. Something like a rebounder, where you can bounce for 15, 20 minutes every day that's the equivalent of walking for 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Walking naturally is the best. You know, we are meant to walk something like five to 10 miles every day. That's what we're built for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so standing while you work, having a bouncing ball to sit on, you know, one of those medicine balls instead of a s- solid chair, but walking, skipping rope, that sort of thing. Those are those are the best things you can do. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the kind of exercises that you sit down for, like spin class on a bike, not so great because hmm. you're you're sitting. The only thing that's right. moving is your legs, knees going up and down. That's all. Right. So your your quads are working. You're burning a lot of energy, but you're not really doing yourself any favor as far as uh, the lymphatic movement goes.
0: Right. That makes sense, because it's kind of inhibiting and cutting off a portion of your body that should be moving naturally.
1: Right. To, to, To sell the rebounding even better, when you bounce, the liquid in every single cell in your body, all the hundred trillion of them, is being pushed against the cellular wall. So at the bottom, it goes one way. At the top, it goes the other way. So there's this sloshing. Of liquid. so every single cell of your body is very interesting
0: hmm. and that's any liquid water toxicity, whatever maybe
1: well it, it just helps the lymphatic system to move the fluids around, so you will, you will see a relief from the from the toxicity from the stagnation
0: right, very cool, very cool, Yeah, that's really interesting about the the sitting bike and and uh things like that kind of cutting off a portion of, of movement within your body uh let's talk a bit about emotional therapies and things like that you you mentioned that you did a lot of work in that area in your life personally what were some yeah. of the tools that you used and what have you found to be effective
1: well in my early life i actually was training as a hypnotherapist clinical hypnotherapist so i took classes and uh the neuro-linguistic programming and uh, Ericksonian hypnotherapy and things like that. So I had a good understanding of how whatever happens in your childhood before your consciousness is formed leaves tracks in your mind. The fears that your parents will instill or what happens to you as a child, it, it will be stored with distortions. like It's completely messed up. Um, I, I don't know how much detail to go to. But anyway, um, we don't have any conscious control over it. Mm-hmm. So we need to deal with it with tools that, that clear it. I would say that one of the most accessible and uh, effective tools is EFT, emotional freedom technique, or tapping. I don't know if you know it under that name. That, that's a... Anybody can learn it, or there are plenty of practitioners out there. We have also promoted uh, Alex Lloyd's uh, Healing Codes, which is a similar process where you energetically release the blockages that are in your your subconscious. Mm -hmm. Then there are therapists of many sorts, people who will help you discover what's blocking and how to release it. It's called uh, educational kinesiology, brain gym. Um, I don't know other body talk, quantum release. There are many different methodologies, all of which work on that. Even Reiki is quite capable of releasing many of the energy blockages.
0: Mm-hmm. Some people think that you know our minds and our thoughts and our emotions don't really play a huge role in our health and well being. They think it's just kind of separate and, and disconnected from our from our body. So they think, you know, exercise more, eat less, eat less calories, it's it's the kind of physical world that affects your health, not the the unseen emotional, spiritual realm, if you will. Yeah. How how do you explain the connection there and why do you believe that there there is a connection there to our health and wellness?
1: Well the vibrational effect is subtle but it's profound. Your your beliefs will organize your daily thoughts and your persistent persistent thoughts will translate into behaviors and they will translate into habits and habits will govern your life. So if you're a sedentary blob who likes to gorge on ice cream, that's a result of your world beliefs.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what beliefs? What beliefs, for example, for that scenario, for example, what beliefs do you think? I mean, because you know, obviously, cravings play a role, and there's so many different factors. But what beliefs do you think lead someone to choosing habits that that don't serve their health and that that you know really cause cause health issues? Uh, that you know, like you said, forming them at an early age and things like that. Do you? What leads to that? I guess from from a, from a cognitive uh, spiritual? Level. Yeah, that one
1: that one would be hard to answer. I'm not sure what influences get you to a place where you um, believe one thing or another. I think the uh, the mechanistic belief that you just outlined in the previous question, you know, where you think that your body is a lot like a car, something that you can take to a mechanic. The same, you know, you take your car, you take to a mechanic, you turn it into the shop, and you tell them, fix this thing for me. And they hand it back to you, and uh, you say, it's all fixed, tuned up, running well. And uh, and if something goes wrong, you blame them for not fixing it right. And many people treat their body the same way. They, they take it to the doctor, say, doctor, uh, tune up my body, fix my body, and then... Uh, they think that it's the pills that the doctor has for that to uh, fix the problem and everything's going to be fine. They can carry on um, driving it like a uh, maniac. Mm-hmm. Instead, the fact is that we are our own mechanics. We are responsible for what happens with our bodies all the time, every day.
0: So, Yeah. I agree, I agree. I agree completely, and I think there's a lot of. It's easy to displace responsibility, and uh, you know, just like you said, think of our of our bodies as a uh, a car, and take it to the mechanic, and and get it fixed, and you know, get right back to that stressful lifestyle that um, doesn't doesn't uh, align or balance our health or bodies in any way. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, with with your work with with Life Enthusiast, uh, you know, learning and growing in, in all these different areas. What you know, you mentioned zeolite and algae and things like that. What different products were? What did you kind of develop and start using beyond zeolite and uh, the algae that uh, you recommend people take in their lives for for their health and well-being?
1: That's a that's a very broad question, really.
0: Hmm.
1: So it so it depends on what a person needs. If you need detoxification, we have the zeolites, as has mentioned, but we have other tools that will focus on various organs that need detoxing. Your digestive system, so um, it's the uh, it's the probiotics, prebiotics, uh, and para- parasite treatments, that sort of thing, to keep your digestive system working. Um, somewhere around 1996, I connected with company called Exua and that has become our in-house brand Exua owner and founder Javari Oberam developed a lot of world-class high-end superfood blends so that has been our mainstay and we have been promoting these items to people so we have uh, the general foundational all-in-one Eat this every day and we'll be fine products. But we also have specialized, like one for heart and circulation, one for dealing with cancer, one for dealing with digestive distress, one for fixing your failing liver, stuff like that. So depending on what the body needs, we have these um, tools that help us feed people at the right level. Mm Mm-hmm. We, you know, we promote a lot of iodine because that's it's one of the things that's very much uh, lacking in people. We have also developed a line of transdermal magnesium. About half the population is suffering from magnesium deficiency. So, um, taking it orally is a bit of a problem because it also causes diarrhea. Putting it on your skin, using it topically, doesn't. So the topical the transdermal magnesium is a very, very good tool, and helps reduce hardening of things, hardening of arteries, stiffening of joints, forming of wrinkles. It's an antidote to all that.
0: Hmm. And half uh. of the half of the population is deficient in magnesium. You said.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow. Terrible. What? What about I... because... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, the soils in North America are deficient in magnesium, so that's why. Okay. So the produce is rich in calcium but deficient in magnesium, so you end up being magnesium deficient.
0: Right. Makes sense. What about iodine? I've heard, and I've actually, I've, in the past, I was a little bit deficient in iodine myself. What is, what is iodine, where does it come from, and how does it play a role in our health?
1: It's one of the elements, one of the highlights. There are... Uh, chlorine, fluoride, fluorine, bromine, and iodine. So they're in that halite group. and Iodine is the uh, element that's uh, famous for regulating the thyroid, but it's also really important in the sex glands. The prostate in men, breast and uh, ovaries, in women. So if you're deficient in it, uh, you will have energy regulation problem, chronic fatigue, you will have um, cold hands, cold feet, you have, uh, women will have very difficult menstruation, PMS is a, I don't know what the number is, probably nine out of ten are caused by iodine deficiency. And then it's involved in pregnancies, like uh, miscarriages and low birth weight babies or so Primarily iodine deficiency issues, hmm. and enlarged prostate in men, mm-hmm. um, and others.
0: And is that? I know there's there's certain foods that have iodine in it, correct?
1: Um, seaweed. It's it's in the oceans. It's not on the dry land. So, especially the people whose ancestors lived on the coasts, need need to eat a lot of it. So it's in seaweed. <laughs> which is not popular with everybody. So you may as well supplement it. Mm-hmm. We have it available either as, as capsules of seaweed or as tincture, iodine tincture. And that's detoxified. There there are several several versions of it. The detoxified iodine is probably the best way to go.
0: Well, what does that do exactly? Is it detoxify and balance your levels of iodine? Well,
1: the, the atomic iodine, is uh, going into the body and reacting appropriately. The molecular iodine, which is more common, is uh, there, there's a possibility for toxic overload. That's why the uh, mainstream medical RDA for iodine is really low, like 130 micrograms a day. It's in Japan. It's common to take 4,000. Micrograms a day. Oh
0: so
1: wow! How's that for you know 10 20 times more is normal.
0: And that's just because of really their genetics and how they've evolved in, in, in their diet on the coast. well, Japan. they
1: they live uh, they live on seafood and they seaweed is popular. And then on the coast uh, they they use seaweed as a fertilizer because the often storms will pile a lot of seaweed on the seashore so they take all that and pile it in their gardens so when they grow their cabbage or whatever vegetables they grow they um, it's fertilized with the sea vegetables
0: right interesting I've heard I believe that's a blue, uh, blue zone too are you familiar with the blue zones
1: not sure what that means
0: there's uh there's a study done kind of sharing the I want to say it's top six or seven places in the world where people live longest and Okinawa, Japan was a, was a blue zone. Uh, And and some people say that's because of uh, their seafood or sea life, rich diet and and iodine and things like that. Uh, So that's, that's kind of the consensus with that. Is that
1: the, is that the longevity studies like people living in uh, different parts of the world where they are remarkably healthy and long lived? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, well, that, that will depend uh, pro- primarily on your availability of minerals and, and clean foods. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There was a wonderful study done by Weston Tr- Western Price uh, in the 1930s. He was a dentist when traveling around the world studying in- indigenous people. And uh, he saw that as long as they ate their indigenous diet, their teeth were wonderful, strong, uh, broad, healthy. As soon as they switched to the industrial diet, their arches were collapsing, their teeth were crowding, they were getting uh, cavities and other other faults. So that, that was one of the pre to the metabolic typing that helped us understand that uh, we need to eat what's right for us genetically.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. What do you think about the role of epigenetics and and how our our genes expression changes over time and that kind of thing in in relation to to diet?
1: Right. Well, the epigenetics is essentially the science of studying and learning and understanding and interpreting what this is all about. It's showing that uh, um, stress is projecting itself through the genes into the next generations. So when you have a um, some accident, something toxic happens in one generation, it's actually passed on multiple succeeding generations. So and so does emotional trauma. So starvation or violence, wars, all kinds of stuff like that is actually staying in the in the genetics of the children and grandchildren. Maybe it's going through seven generations, as the natives would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. And of
1: course uh, Bruce Lipton uh, shows that the uh, while while the uh, nucleus of the cell is carrying the genetic material it's actually the environment that activates it so it's it's the genetics will load the gun the environment will pull the trigger
0: right and and that so is- how
1: yeah so how you live or what you do Plays a major role in what's what's going to happen both to you and to your offspring.
0: Mm-hmm. So, do you think that your 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 most, I guess you would say, indigenous diet closest to your metabolic type is what's changing that environment to unlock that that healthiest gene expression, basically?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well put.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's very interesting. Awesome. Cool. So uh, thank you so much for your time in this interview, Martin. I really appreciate it. Uh, I want to ask you one more question before I close the interview. And that question is, what are the top two or three practices, the top two or three habits that you'd recommend on a daily basis that someone enact in in their lives, be it physical, mental, spiritual, whatever it may be, to improve their health long term? I really believe that habits are the backbone of everything and, and what what works for you, and, and what do you recommend?
1: Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, don't do as I do, do as I say, because <laughs> I'm certainly not perfect myself. Right. But uh, well, and we write a lot of that. I, I'd like to plug in our website, the Life Enthusiast. You can find it at life-enthusiast.com. There, there are quite a few. Uh, resources in the library of the articles and the podcasts but anyway okay the practices number one clean air well start with the consciousness so meditate or at least clear your mind and focus on gratitude um, your yeah stand at the guard of your consciousness don't allow don't allow uh, negative thoughts to come in. Focus on the glass half full. Um, breathe clean air. Clean your environments energetically. Keep away from electromagnetics. And if you can't keep away from it, at least carry one of the EMF protectors. We do have those available too. Didn't get to mention it. Um, then, then the air, then water. We do a lot of work with cleaning the water, both from toxins but also energetically. Organize it, microclustering and pH balancing water and tools for that. Drinking that kind of water improves its ability to transport nutrients in and toxins out of your body. Finally, the food, absolutely required to avoid all genetically modified stuff, GMO. It's terrible bane on humankind. I, I, I think that may kill us as a race. Um, so I certainly stay away from it, support organic food whenever much as possible. Mineralized food, we need to avoid food that's grown with fertilizers because they cause the food to be looking whole, but it's hollow. There's not enough mineralization. When you force the food, the plants, to grow faster than they intend to, they don't actually... Pull into their own bodies, the mineralization that they would either, otherwise get from the soil. So they look right, but they aren't. Those mm-hmm. so supplement minerals. Um, I think we're are getting close to those. You could stop there, I think.
0: Cool. Awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank and you And so stay
1: much. away. Stay. You know, stay away from toxins. You know, toxic yeah. people, toxic music. Toxic, <laughs> whatever.
0: Yeah, anything in your environment. Yeah, I'm glad you started with that because that's, like you said, you know, the the your beliefs and your thoughts and and your environment creates what you think and what you believe and the habits you create. So that's that's a great, uh, great tip for sure. So uh, where can our listeners find you online? What are your uh, websites or properties? And uh, just one final time yeah. for everyone to hear. I
1: I mentioned the uh, remarkablehealth.com forward slash mt that's where the metabolic typing uh, videos are. Otherwise, uh, life com, or by phone in North America, one 543 uh, 3388 High touch, high service company. We uh, help people figure out what to do what's the most effective use of their time and money. Awesome. A lot of people are really confused. They try this and that and dabble in all kinds of things. I I will use this metaphor in closing. Trying to manage your health is a lot like trying to manage a football team. Um, You can't ask me for the one thing, the silver bullets, which is what the medical system uses for the metaphor. We have the offensive team and the defensive team, and each of the teams, we have the specialists. So there's a linebacker, and there's a quarterback, and there's a running back, and there's a receiver. Each one of these needs to be at a sufficient level to play or to compete. But not just that. You need to have coaching. You need to have people who manage it and people who cut the grass on the field and people who wash the uniforms. So... It's it's a complex issue to manage your health, so there isn't really give me the one thing. Mm. It is help me understand what's involved and help me understand what needs to be changed and what needs to be added. And that's the four groups: right. the uh, toxicity, malnutrition, uh, stagnation, and vibrational disturbance. that will really play critical roles. Can't can't skip any one of them.
0: Right. Yeah. Take the take the mechanic position in your own health and look to those who have had have overcome challenges for guidance. I think that's a a great way to uh, to to end it off. Thank you so much for your time, Martin. Uh, I will Thank link up everything and and uh, have an awesome rest of the day.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks take care.
0: Bye.